0: Hey, this is Bryant Arnold, also known as Dragon from Skinwalker Ranch, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast.
1: I'd like to thank Paperlike for sponsoring this episode. Something that's always held me back from making more use of my Apple Pencil for notes is the feeling across the screen still felt like I'm writing on glass, especially when scribbling notes for podcast episodes. Paperlike have very much changed how I use my existing iPad, and it's giving it a new lease of life. Paperlike is perfect for anyone who draws and writes using an iPad and an Apple Pencil. The surface of the Paperlike is coated using nanodots, tiny microbeads that are designed to add superior stroke precision when you drag the Apple Pencil across the screen. Every Paperlike comes in a set of two, so you'll always have a spare in case you need. I'm no artist either, but my kids certainly approve of using it to draw and doodle, and I can have peace of mind the screen underneath is completely protected. To pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com forward slash that UFO, click buy Paperlike and select your iPad size. From now until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their digital pro planner bundle at no extra cost with every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. Ready to do more with your iPad? Then head over to paperlike.com forward slash that UFO to get started. Michael, if you don't mind giving us five more minutes of your time, not even that. Um, I just want to get your thoughts. So the quick fire round, I normally ask for a couple of words or a sentence just on a topic or a person. Some of them we've kind of touched on, but just as a very, very quick summary, if you don't mind, and then we'll finish. Let's do it. So the first one we've talked about them nonstop, but it's going to be Stephen Greer.
2: Misunderstood.
1: The next one would be at To the Stars Academy.
2: Definitely not what it seems, and uh, certainly well-intentioned, but misguided. Um, extraterrestrials. Oh, the most misunderstood of all. Extremely. Advanced, uh, extremely spiritually advanced biological entities, not to be confused with interdimensional beings, ghosts, angels, demons, or Richard Doty in an alien costume. <laughs>
1: Thanks, um, Skinwalker Ranch.
2: Ah, uh, overplayed. I'm, I'm kind of bored with it. I, it's definitely real. Uh, lots of crazy shit going on there. It's my understanding, but don't necessarily quote me on this, that the reason why it's such a hub uh, for activity is that there were a lot of uh, advanced USAP, which is Unacknowledged Special Access Program, uh, experiments going on there. And they, you know, kind of like Stranger Things kind of stuff. So that, that uh, has kind of turned it into a hot spot, But um, I, I haven't studied it too closely because, you know, I'm fascinated with, with the wider phenomenon, not just this one location that everyone obsesses over for some reason.
1: That's awesome. Uh, two more. That One is consciousness.
2: The only thing we can be 100% sure is real. And it's literally the only thing that we can be 100% sure is real. Uh, And yet, our current scientific paradigm tells us that it doesn't actually exist. And that your conscious experience is an illusion. So, think about that, realize how absurd it is, and then ask yourself, well, what else are they wrong about? And what, what new paradigm might we replace that with? And then if we look at ETs through that new paradigm, how does the whole narrative shift?
1: And the last one is disclosure.
2: Um, it means a lot of different things to a lot of people. For me... The closest thing we're ever going to get to uh, to what most people think of as disclosure, you know, press conference stuff like that, it happened in two thousand one at the National Press Club. You know, I think that's the best we're going to get, and you know, we we've got to stop looking to uh, a solution external to ourselves for this. Um, if you. If you understand consciousness, you understand the science of consciousness. If you understand this revolution that's taking place in physics and medicine and biology and philosophy, all these fields converging around this question of consciousness, and if you embrace this emerging paradigm, then... uh, you start to understand that um, everything outside of you is a projection of what's within you, and you know if you want to live in a post-disclosure world, then we have to work on ourselves, and we have to create that within ourselves, and we have to become worthy of that. And that's what that's what the CE5 community is all about.
1: Michael, it's been great speaking with you. Thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated and look forward to speaking to you again on the show. Absolutely not. You're right. Thank you for the questions, folks. There was a few other ones sent in, but just due to time constraints and also the, the body of the interview, we've answered quite a lot of those as well. Just to finish off on the quick fire round, it's a few words or sentences on various projects and topics, uh, and okay. then we'll kind of finish mm-hmm. off. So the first one would be the Montauk project. Uh bs i thought you might say that the next one would be and this one's kind of for me the men who stare at goats the movie have you seen it no i haven't have you read the book no i haven't do you know what it's about yes yeah okay is it something you're going to see or do you just choose not to i choose not to okay
3: but i believe in the abilities I, i know they exist
1: I just wondered, given the tone of the film, if you would would avoid it, given it is more comical and obviously kind of fantasized, given the nature of the thing, it doesn't have to be, does it? So the next one would be the friendly and hostile E.T. narrative.
3: I only believe in the friendly E.T. narrative. I'm not a subscriber to the hostile E.T. narrative, and I've never seen any convincing evidence. There's plenty of stories about hostile, negative experiences, negative abductions, but I'm highly suspect of those.
1: Uh, Dr. Stephen Greer.
3: That's a very complex um, subject. He is someone that the UFO community should always be incredibly grateful for, for so many different things. The press club event where he brought out all these people for all of his interviews. But there's also a lot of fear mongering with, you know, a giant fake UFO event and the government's going to be doing this and that.
1: Cool. Um, CE5? Um,
3: very real, very important. The technique is everything.
1: Uh, Tom DeLong?
3: Uh, Fear monger.
1: And the last one I'd like to finish off with all the guests. What does disclosure mean to you?
3: Uh, revealing the reality that advanced civilizations have been visiting our planet.
1: Excellent. That's great. Uh, Listen, buddy, it's been amazing talking with you. If you want to just let the listeners know how they can get in touch with you, how they can subscribe to your YouTube channel. So I'm going to move on just to finish off uh, dragging on the quickfire round. So I'm literally going to reel off some names of the cast, uh, some places and a few other topics. And I'm just looking for a word, a couple of words or a couple of sentences. I'm not precious on each. Just your thoughts on each of these, okay? Okay. So not trying to catch out or anything. So the first one would be travis taylor
0: uh enthusiastic and and brilliant um and yeah he's he's a good guy yeah i, I really he really is he's he's super enthusiastic and he's he's very smart and uh yeah, i guess the last word i'll use is friend he's definitely a friend
1: Matt, that's good to hear um, although not too friendly for season two because obviously <laughs> we want to see you two kind of button heads again in a friendly, competitive kinda of way. Hey,
0: you know what? I argue with my friends all the time. So I'm I'm sure that, that there's probably a good opportunity that something at some point that'll happen.
1: Good. I'm Scottish. That's how we communicate as arguments. So that's good to hear. That's right. Uh so the next one would be Brandon Fugle.
0: Uh, gosh. That one goes deep. Um, Probably one of my closest friends, Um, just an extremely kind and generous individual who is driven beyond anyone I've ever met and is willing to, you know, be forthright and straightforward and is dedicated to figuring out and putting all of his resources into uncovering Or at least getting a better understanding of what's going on at Skinwalker Ranch.
1: The closest thing the planet Earth has to Bruce Wayne is Brandon Fugle. So I like (laughs) him. Um, The next one would be Eric Bard.
0: Uh, Genius. Eric personally is probably the smartest person I know. He is absolutely brilliant in so many different realms, and he is a brother. I I love Eric, and I think that eric is the unsung hero of skinwalker ranch to be honest with you
1: nice uh, next one jim Segala.
0: uh jim Segal is a, a smart man he's definitely got that east coast mentality and he's kind of can be a little bit you know in your face a little bit and you know he and i did conflict a couple of times but uh jim is also a friend and he's a he's a very smart man with you know, a lot of knowledge and, and a lot to add.
1: Awesome. Uh, Next one, former guest of the show, Thomas Winterton.
0: Tom's a brother. Thomas is, uh, he is one of the hardest working people I've ever met and is dedicated beyond dedicated to Skinwalker Ranch and to the individuals associated with it. And there is nothing that I've seen yet that that guy can't do when it comes to Uh, you know figuring things out and he is you know if i say eric's the unsung hero that's behind the science um thomas winterton is the lifeblood of skinwalker ranch and what keeps it up and running and you know day to day he keeps the place going
1: yeah he's a great guy um jim morse
0: uncle jim uh he's just you know he's he's just A kind, kind man that can make friends with anybody he meets. Jim's been invaluable to the relations with both the Native Americans and the community. And uh, Uncle Jim is just, he's a dear friend and uh, just one of the kindest souls that I know. Awesome. Skinwalker Ranch. Skinwalker Ranch. It is... It's craziness wrapped up in a barbed wire fence, I guess. Um, it's my favorite place on the planet where I, when I'm away, I miss it. But when I'm here, sometimes I want to get the hell away. Um, it It is definitely a special place that I think holds some really incredible mysteries or answers to mysteries and questions that hopefully we can get to the bottom of but it is a place that needs to be respected
1: awesome and um, the next one would be your thoughts on
0: ce5 ce5
1: so the contact method for summoning extraterrestrial craft in the sky oh gosh i don't
0: know i you- honestly i i don't have an opinion on that honestly i don't that's
1: never had any of it tried on the site or
0: uh, no no we haven't okay
1: might be interesting
0: yeah well i'll definitely make note of that
1: <laughs> uh next one would be ufos
0: uh i believe in them i believe in them now i've seen one and I, well i've seen multiple and you know i'll take it to my grave i know what i've seen and and until someone can give me a better explanation of what I've seen with my own eyes, uh, UFOs are real. And um, I hope that we can find out more about them. Okay.
1: Um, second last one would be extraterrestrials.
0: Um, I would say, you know, to me, an extraterrestrial would be maybe anybody not from our realm. So I think that there's definitely an intelligence at play on Skinwalker Ranch. And so I would say, Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if an extraterrestrial is the little gray aliens that everyone, you know, thinks and associates with an extraterrestrial, but I I do believe that there is other life, um, outside of just what we know on this planet
1: yeah i think more and more the interdimensional multi-dimensional theories coming into play with a lot of what's going yeah. on so uh, skinwalker ranch being a big part of that and the last one i would like to ask all my guests to finish on is their thoughts on disclosure
0: i think it's i think it's vital i think that you know i know we take the standpoint that we want to share and we want to disclose and i wish that there was more of that out there i think that there are a lot of there are a lot of questions that there are already answers to as long as people would disclose that information so i think that disclosure is important and you know as a human race and a better understanding i think it's something that more needs to happen on every level of life
1: uh, dragon that is all we have time for you've been really generous with your time uh this afternoon where you are this evening where i so we're going to move on to the the kind of quick fire round ryan and this will be as quick fire as you want it to be because some of the topics i'd love to hear your thoughts on just things that we can't cover in the body of the interview otherwise this would go four or five hours um, <laughs> Maybe keep some of it for the next one. We'll do a second edition of the podcast. Um,
4: yeah, absolutely. I'm good at second editions, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, listen, I'll have to learn that as well, following your footsteps. So the, the first one's quite a big question, and I don't know how much you'll answer of this, but the phenomena itself, what do you think it is, Ryan?
4: Um, I don't know. And I think that's the most responsible answer I can give. Uh, I have theories. I have thoughts. I think it could be a plethora of things. Um, Phenomena is a way I really like to look at it, as Lou Elizondo does as well. Um, I don't think we're dealing with one thing. One anomaly, one intelligence, and I do think it's everything and nothing all at once. So I think that's really, man, the most honest answer I can give. There's some UFOs I think could be extraterrestrial. There's some I think could be um, interdimensional or uh, us from the future or or none of those things. So, yeah, I cannot pretend to have a solid answer of what the phenomenon or phenomena are, Um, but I – I'm willing to go down any route to try to find answers. And I'm also willing to change my mind, which a lot of people are not willing to do. I'm not afraid to be wrong. I'm not afraid to change my mind. And uh, yeah, I hope it's everything. And I hope, um, I hope it's, I hope whatever it is, that it's here, it's interested in us for um, good reasons, uh, no matter who, what, or where they are. And that's again,
1: I'll say it's a fair response because my my opinion is very malleable and fluid on the the topic and I think for me to boil it down where I'm at right now with a lot of it is and especially what Lou Elizondo and those types of people are getting at it's it's not just the what these things are, but I think a lot of it will answer why things are in general and also yeah. how things how things kind of work, you know. If you ever want to know the meaning of life and the mysteries of the universe, I think a lot of that's tangled up within that this whole the phenomena as it's called. So, yeah, no, I I, would, I see why you've you've went down that route. Uh, to the Stars Academy, we've touched on. You said you agree with some things, disagree with others. I'm a massive fanboy for TTSa. That's not to say they are perfect by any means, but I feel I understand where they're going with what they're doing and why they're going about it that way. So, let's talk a lot about To the Stars Academy.
4: Yeah, let's dive in.
1: So, when those articles first hit, the first article in New York Times, December 2017, and we got those videos. What were your initial responses and thoughts?
4: Uh, holy shit! I mean that yeah. that was my. I literally said that out loud when I when I saw that that article drop. I um and I was I will admit I was scared. Just like anyone who wasn't involved with a UFO topic, looking at that and being like, oh, my God, like, what? What is what is happening here? So even as someone who has been looking at this topic for so long um, and being blindsided with this fact that the U.S. Pentagon was looking into this, there were videos, they didn't know what they were, uh, that that was concerning. Um, But look, (laughs) that's what we've been chasing this entire time. So I thought it was. uh, a bombshell uh, in the best way we can use that word. I thought it was exciting. I thought it was scary. And my initial impression was things are about to change. Uh, New York Times has covered UFOs in the past, but not to this extent and not, you know, with this many heavy hitters involved. So my initial impression was holy shit. And from there, it's just continued to be holy shit.
1: I had a massive frustration. With it very quickly. I had all of those thoughts you had. However, just the way I think as well, if someone had asked the day before that article dropped, unless you had prior knowledge, if you asked any skeptic or just your, the general public or even a believer, you know, anyone in ufology, tomorrow a major news outlet is going to run a story confirming the government has a UFO program, they're going to release some videos, you're going to see some pictures, and they're going to be truly unidentified craft. What do you th- and you would get? I think you would get. No, that'll never happen. And yeah, that would be enough for me. That would be proof. That would be incredible. And for me, it dropped. It happened, and most people shrugged their shoulders and just went oh and moved on. And I was like, that that's the problem. It's never enough. What yeah. what would be enough? And it's if if you're talking about you know smoking guns and that would have been that would have been it. And something myself and Jay talked about a few a few nights ago was the fact that an article this is where we're at in ufology an article has just dropped again in the new york times that has cited crash retrieval programs and there are quotes regardless of the context around off-world vehicles Mm -hmm. and it made page 17 and for Mm -hmm. me it's like if someone had said a couple of years ago that sort of content would be in a major news outlet you would never have believed them and here we are getting that content and people are still arguing and frustrated and it's not the conversation's definitely moving forward there's been that paradigm shift and the, the way people are thinking but it's still a very slow pro- process as, as part of disclosure and for me it's it's never going to be enough for most people and that's where i've had some frustrations with it um but but ttsa what they've done whether people have liked it or not there's been a lot of controversies the the media side of things have, i think they've been pretty transparent from the start that they've always announced they had the plan to raise shares they had the plan to have the media part of the company. They wanted to write fiction and non-fiction novels to get their stories out there. They wanted to produce TV series and movies. What's your thoughts being on TTSA as a, a media company?
4: I think it's probably one of the most uh, ambitious things Tom DeLonge could have done. I mean, I remember meeting Tom, uh, man, I don't know, six years five or six years ago at a UFO conference, he was like off in the corner and I had to do a double take. I'm like, is that the guy that I used to listen to at concerts, drunk when I was like 18 years old? Yeah. What is going on here? Um, and then when I learned he had this extreme interest in the topic, I'm like, that's really cool. And then we saw the progression of Tom's interest just build and build and build and he became more vocal about it up until this. And look, Tom has tried some incredible things in his time. He started different companies, stopped others. He is a passionate, ambitious person. And that's, you can't fault him for that. So has he made mistakes along the way? Of course. You know, like I said earlier, there's tweets I've regretted. There's probably stuff he said that he's regretted. Uh, I'm thinking of the Joe Rogan interview in particular. But um, but besides that, the, the creation of To The Stars Academy um, is interesting. I understand why people are skeptical or hesitant. Um, I mentioned the name John Tenney before. This guy's been in this, weird world of ufos for decades and decades and he's seen stuff like this happen before so i don't blame the older guard as it were of ufology to for saying be careful like people promise things and they don't happen or it's not what you think and maybe that could happen with what to the stars is doing but you're right they've been extremely upfront and uh transparent about their what they were doing from the very start. And Tom even said, I remember from the very, very start said, my goal is to get information about UFOs, maybe build one even. But my my goal also on the other side of that in negotiation is to paint the military industrial complex in a good light and to promote the military as a positive thing. And we see that playing out. That's why all of this is painted as a threat because that's what the military deals with that's what the dod deals with that's what lou elizondo did for most of his life is he fought terrorism he fought you know possible incursions of our nation and i don't blame him for taking this threat narrative with all of this so um yeah man i know that's kind of rambling but at the end of the day i highly respect everything they're doing um I think it's awesome that we're getting a podcast by to the stars now where we get to dig deeper and they do answer listener questions and everything they're doing is leading to something. And there's a reason that all of this information is, I think rolling out quicker than I think even to the stars expected it to what Mm -hmm. that reason is. I don't know. Um, I know Jeremy McGowan spoke to both you and I about there. There's a reason for all of this. Trust me. Um, don't know when it's going to come, but it's probably going to come quicker than any of us expect it. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's wrong. But I highly, highly respect the work that they're doing at To The Stars Academy. I try to remain an objective person in covering it as responsible as a journalist or a freelance writer can do. Um, I do not have any financial stake in the company, but I support them, you know. I rock to the Stars Academy t-shirts. I've got all the books. I try to read between the lines of the truth and fiction in, the, in everything they're doing, and I, I look forward to everything that they come out with, and then it's up to you to decide whether you want to follow that or not. So um, yeah, all the power to them. Um, they are passionate. They have changed the entire landscape of the conversation, and I really, really look forward to whatever's to come next for sure.
1: I'm going to be completely honest and admit that I do love a bit of cool technology but not all the best tech is classified so when Blendjet got in touch about their new Blendjet 2.0 I was very excited to try it out especially as one of those protein shake people that many folks hate. Just shaking never has the same results as a blender does let's be fair. Blend Jet 2 is portable so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Blend Jet 2 is whisper quiet so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house, a big one for me folks. And it lasts for 15 or more blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself, just blend with water, a drop of soap and you're good to go. With over 30 colours available, there is something for everyone. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the carbon fibre. What are you waiting for? Go to Blendjet.com and grab yours today and be sure to use the promo code THATUFO12 to get 12% off your order and free 2-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power and innovation of the Blendjet. To the guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 portable blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code that UFO12 to get 12% off. Remember, folks, and that free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Yeah, at the end of the day, Tom DeLong is not in this for money. He had more money than he ever needed. Uh, he's very passionate <laughs> yeah. about the subject. Some of the things he's talked about on Twitter, you know, the seven part, uh, the seven part tweets about Atlantis, and I don't know if you ever saw the what if there was a civilization here, what if this, what if this story about yeah. Atlantis, and I imagine there's a lot of people he speaks to, maybe Lou, maybe Chris Millen, help put off read read those tweets and send him a little private message saying, Tom, come on, we told <laughs> you about that, stop. However, we've
4: all been there, yeah,
1: yeah, that that's it. But for me. I'm a massive fan of the company. Yep, there's that frustration around going a little bit dark, if you want to call it that, with the the government involvement. However, I think that can be seen as a good thing too. So, yeah, we'll we'll definitely see what happens at the end of it. But let's hope it's going in a good place. Um, Someone who has tenuous links with Two of the Stars, if, if only through a company that published his autobiography, would be Bob Lazar. What what are your general thoughts? Cause this that, is it's incredible. Bob Lazar is a story now, is over thirty years old. Um a lot of controversy surrounds some of the, the discrepancies in his history, but let's be honest, most presidents it seems these days can't prove, you know, where they're born, what their race is or where they went to school. So why not Bob Lazar? Um again, is it nitpicking? Is there something to his story? What what are your thoughts on how the Bob Lazar story has evolved?
4: I I met Bob, I think, the same year I met Tom DeLonge, actually, or saw Tom DeLonge. I guess I had a a Bigfoot sighting of Tom Um, (laughs) DeLonge. I think it was him. Uh, I have always stood firm on my stance on Bob Lazar. I believe Bob Lazar did what he said he did. I believe he worked on something very exotic something he could not understand something his uh, colleagues could not understand and I do believe that he was told the things he was told uh, and that he saw what he saw Um, other than that is it true was it a extraterrestrial craft were there nine saucers Um, was he shown images of alien bodies Um, I don't know I can't pretend to know Um, Or was that information given to him as part of some sort of disinformation campaign? That's very possible. So when it really comes down to it, man, um, it is one of the most sordid, controversial stories within ufology. Um, It's interesting. It's extraordinary. But like Mellon always says, extraordinary claims uh, need extraordinary evidence or proof. And if Bob Lazar is going to come forward with these things, he has to be willing to take the, uh, the hits and the scrutiny. And uh, he has. And I think he's done a good job at at battling a lot of that. So at the end of the day, I think he's a very um, genuine person in how he's related his story. And look, man, after meeting him face to face, it doesn't change uh, if he's telling the truth or not. But I I tend to think I'm a good judge of character. And this guy does not want fame. He does not want acknowledgement. He wanted to get the story out there and be done with it. Um, but People have pulled him out of the woodwork to tell it again. And maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. I don't know. But uh, end of the day, we still have the story. Um, we have the the book that came out in his own words, supposedly. If he did write the autobiography, I don't know. Uh, but it's an interesting story. It'll never go away. People are very passionate about it, as they are many other things. And um, I hope that someday we'll know. And maybe he'll finally get that vindication. Uh, he tends to think he did with this off-world vehicle uh, thing in the New York Times, but I'm still, I'm still iffy about all that. So yeah, again, uh, hopefully we'll know the truth someday. But I believe that he saw and did what he said he did. What that was, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs>
1: you've covered that pretty well i would just say and if this doesn't come from a piece of knowledge just a gut feeling i don't think his story is finished yet and i think there's still more to come and whether that is no. a total debunking of the story and proving it's false or the opposite where he gets that proper vindication of juno water maybe not for him because he feels he's got it but for those of us who maybe follow the story and want to know and want it to be true that we find out yep here we go this guy was telling the truth from the start so i think that's still to come what are I your did. thoughts your thoughts on um the mysterious skinwalker ranch
4: um i think it's interesting uh, i watched the television show i've spoken to individuals who've been on the ranch uh whether as a journalist or as a investigator, and uh, everyone says the same thing. Man, it's a weird, strange place. It has an aura to it. Uh, it <laughs> everything you can think of has happened there. It's a living laboratory of strange, weird stuff. And um, you just look at the history of the area itself, and that's fascinating also. So, you know, um, I am completely open to the possibility that this is a condensed area of high strangeness, that maybe there's every possible mystery going on there we can think of. Um, I look forward to the scientific exploration being done by the television show. Again, TV affords resources you cannot get anywhere else. And I can speak from experience. When working in the, the realm of television, I was given resources to investigate cases that I never would have gotten on my own or been able to to really dive into um the roswell incident in specific i was able to get metals tested at an aerospace laboratory i mean could you imagine if i tried to do that myself or like crowdfund for something like that it's just not gonna happen yeah those things are expensive so look um whether you love or hate the television show um they have the resources to do things that we have not been able to do before at that ranch. We have a very transparent and open owner right now who's willing to share that information, whereas the previous owner, everything he did had to be given over to the government because they were funding it. So, look, I think it's awesome. I think um, I think it's exciting. I think it's another part of the puzzle to fit together and um, – yeah man let's hope to the stars and the guys over at skinwalker can get together could you can you imagine what they could do if they put their resources together
1: Ugh. Uh, that would be like a good christmas special christmas is always <laughs> good for crossovers like simpsons family guy all that kind of stuff yep. and you could have like a history channel you know get those guys involved with each other brandon Fugle talking to louis on or tom DeLong would be would be pretty cool um but yeah <laughs> i'd be all for that uh, the New York Times articles now, they've we've had the big splash in December 2017. We have had a couple of follow-up articles and I think some people forget that it's not just been two articles. There's been quite a lot of little pieces and Leslie Keane and Ralph Blumenthal were quite keen to say that, that this is something that they've continued to report on, albeit it's not always been the big headline stories. What's your thoughts been on the impact they've had and do you feel there's more to come from the New York Times?
4: absolutely there is more to come i mean if you look at the last two articles uh, a lot of people were you know a little deflated on the information brought forward a lot of it was already out there in the public and um like you mentioned earlier like a page 17 that's that's easy to miss let's be completely honest it's not on the cover um so a lot of people may not have even read it but now you have this this uh, this buzzword, I guess buzzwords of off-world vehicles, and that's what's out there now. And that was interesting that it came, like, what, some 15 paragraphs into the, the initial article? Um, not the 2017 one, but the current one. Um, like, really, you're going to bury the lead that far into the article? But again, that all comes down to the editors um, and the people at the New York Times. I'm sure... There was more to this article that Leslie and Ralph worked on that did not make it in. And none of us can pretend to have an answer to why that is or or uh, or how. But I thought the the first article was interesting. Um, I am still really on the fence with the quotes by Reed and eric davis and all of that controversy behind the off-world vehicle comments um because it seems like it's just messy man it's messy and the fact that the new york times didn't put an exact quote or source to where that information came from uh i don't understand why someone who carefully vets and fact checks as much as the new york times does why they would do that I don't blame Ralph or Leslie for that. They stick firmly to the article they wrote, and um, that's what we have. But I know Ralph has said there's more to come, and if this is how it's going to come, like maybe one paragraph at a time uh, mixed in with all this other sort of surface-level stuff or um, already substantiated things, that's fine, you know? we are used to reading between the lines in this field and maybe that's the way we're going to get it now. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I thought the articles were interesting. Uh, they weren't the bombshell that 2017 was, but Leslie Kane even said (laughs) it was hard to, to really live up to that one because we had so much information. We dropped it all at once and that's a powerful thing to do. And I do think, you know, slow and steady horse wins the race. So, Hopefully we'll get more as time goes on, but I have no doubt we're not done. Um, just from a business stance, the clicks and reads that they get from these UFO articles are massive. So they're, of course they're going to keep doing it, just from a business stance. And now it's up to Ralph and Leslie and whoever else is writing about it for that venue to do it as best they can in a responsible light, in a fact-by-fact basis. And maybe we will get more information on these off-world vehicles. I don't know
1: yeah i think the like tim mcmillan said wasn't it around a thousand words he was under the impression had been cut out of it which was around about half the article and i wonder this isn't opinion but is it a tactic from from a journalistic perspective and if you're one of the multiple editors looking to put that sort of incredible story in your in your publication do you just drop something in there that that fantastic if we want to use that word and you know paragraph 15 about off-world vehicles because you've put it there it's out there but you've dangled the carrot and it's just it's it's buried but it's, it's buried in plain sight and then in future the tactic is you bring that a little bit further forward and it's on a bigger article and there's a bit more detail on it and it's that drip feeding of information because maybe it is a little bit too you know world news today to just to put that on a front page and I mean there's not going to be a picture of a crashed flying saucer you know that that's just a fact so mm-hmm. maybe this is like you're saying slow and steady wins the race the information's there it's slowly coming out as frustrating as that might be but the, the big thing for me is this has to go more international as well there's there's a yeah. world outside of the United States and they've got their part to play in this too. Uh, the UK obviously I've talked about this recently more and more it's frustrating for me because the story gets no coverage here it's uh, on our news site you'll get Sky News or BBC News the biggest companies and there might be a number nine trending on the website as you know US DoD confirms UFO video is real and that's it it's nothing more than a reference at the side of the scroll on the page there's no content on it, they're not particularly interested you know, Jeremy Corbell done a radio interview on one of the BBC radio shows the other day but there's multiple BBC radio channels and again it's it's a media that it's not getting the, the nation's eye and it's just something that particularly in the UK and Britain in general the appetite isn't there for it, we would need something a bit bigger and more sensational to be in the news you know, for, for the story to really take off but for me the international community has to get more involved and it would be interesting to see as we saw a little bit of unidentified episode four, where Luella's on those, you know, going through South America and talking to these delegates yeah. and government officials. But we, we know South America has that history, and I think that connection still with this type of phenomena, they report it on their news. You see clips and UFO sightings being reported as this was seen today above, you know, some you know, Mexican city or I'm not saying every night, but it happens. You would never get that in the UK. It would never yeah. happen here. It would be a, a laughing you know, joke, regional news story, and that would be it. So that that's where I think there's a lot of work still to be done. But yeah, hope, hopefully there's, there's more still to come in the near future as well. Uh, two more topics I want to get your, your uh, thoughts on, and you touched on it earlier. You've got the Senate Intelligence Committee. As in the last three months, I've learned more about US politics than I ever could have at school. Um, <laughs> but the, the big headline from the recent, you know, acts where the UAP task force, being mentioned as a thing and again that's another 2020 crazyism that we are talking about UAP task forces being created Mm -hmm. but Space Force sounded crazy enough but we've now got a UAP task force what are your thoughts on the UAP task force and what it's going to be
4: I'm I'm excited and I'm also hesitant um I I do wonder What the true impetus is behind this, Andy. And I mean, I I think it's very good that Chris Mellon had a lot to do with how this bill is being drafted. The wording, what will be made available to the public, what will not. Um, I think it's good. I think it's it was carefully done. And I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I believe that this bill in the United States will pass because I think there is uh, no reason not to do it. Um, But at the same time, we have to wonder why and who's involved. And um, look, Marco Rubio has been extremely vocal about it. And um, he's brought up some good points like are these UFOs? Could they be Russian? Could they be from China? Are they extraterrestrial? And he made a good point of saying, I almost hope that it's extraterrestrial because if it is a rival nation or another, you know, um, you know, bordering state doing things that we we are not privy to, uh, that is almost scarier. And I tend to agree with him with that. So um, I think it's interesting. UFO task force, uh, that's a very loaded term. Um, they're saying that it's, being done through the, uh, you know, the naval intelligence, which is interesting because we've heard of these individuals within the naval intelligence here in the united states being involved with a lot of other ufo cases uh, bob lazar says that he met with some of these individuals uh, the Rendlesham guys say that naval intelligence was on the base with osi interviewing them during their experiences so yeah that's that's a fascinating part of the new york times article the recent one that i don't think a lot of people really paid attention to is why is this being handed over to naval intelligence is it because of the new naval protocol of reporting ufos i don't know um it's interesting so yeah um i'm hesitant because of the classified nature of this bill and um what we will be privy to we might not get anything or we might get some really cool new videos or um testimony but that classified nature of it is where i'm like ah They could slap anything classified, and we won't get anything. Um, So I think there are political moves being done by those involved. Um, I think there's uh, altruistic moves being done by other people involved with it. And uh, I look forward to seeing where it goes. It's interesting, and um, never thought I'd see the day where we'd hear the term UFO task force. Uh, But we're living it, man. And uh, we got to ride that wave, and uh, hopefully it won't be a Project Blue Book part two where it's all just to downplay it and uh you know find a prosaic explanation whether there is one or not and uh if anything it keeps the conversation going
1: it does and the last one i like to ask all my guests ryan what are your thoughts on disclosure
4: we're living it and uh i don't you know i i I think that's it i think that the New York Times article was a huge disclosure, the 2017. I think uh, disclosure happened for Kevin Day when he tracked those UFOs. I think it happened for Fravor when he saw it. Um, I think the individual level of this, Andy, is where it's at and how disclosure happens person by person, experience by experience. I do not believe we're ever going to get that White House – Press conference here in the United States, or in Parliament elsewhere, or in Mexico, China, Japan, whatever it may be. I don't think all the world governments are going to come together and say, "Aliens are real. They've been here. Um, you know, they've crashed here. They've landed here. Uh, yeah. We knew about it." Sorry about that. Um, I don't think that's ever going to happen. We're getting an interesting rollout by the New York Times and by diligent researchers putting in so much effort to get information out there, and maybe. We can force the hand of world governments or uh, the governments of our respective nations to tell us what they know, but I don't think it's going to happen, man. I I think their, their hand would have to be forced by the phenomenon itself, and I think that's what's happening. Witness by witness, experiencer by experiencer, and maybe gradually we will get to a point where we can all accept that something is going on and it could change humanity forever, whether that's good or bad.
1: Awesome. Quickfire, you can say as little or as much as you like on each each one, but it's just some of the topics that we've not necessarily managed to get to within the body of the interview. So the first one would be your thoughts on to the Stars Academy.
5: Yeah, well, they've certainly uh, done a lot to get our interest in the topic going. Without them, we wouldn't have Congress taking it seriously. Right now. They brought it to the news. I certainly don't agree looking at things in terms of a threat that, necessarily don't understand but uh, maybe that's not the way they really see it maybe it's just to you know get interest from the government to take this issue seriously so they're certainly an important player on the stage and they've done a lot to move the the field forward
1: No that's great Uh, Ingo Swan would be the next one
5: Well I was lucky enough to meet Ingo at conferences and even to visit him about a week before he passed on Uh, certainly you know a really amazing person that opened our eyes to these topics. He was the ultimate stubborn person. (laughs) Going back to that Einstein quote, he would not give in and he would not quit until Russell (laughs) Targ and Al Putoff let him try out his coordinate system and his other ways of doing viewing. So without Ingo, uh, we wouldn't be as far along as we are now with a lot of uh, RV and some of these other topics.
1: Yeah, it was certainly someone who, when you think about thinking outside the box, he was outside the box and thinking outside of that box as well. So uh, definitely right. someone who was a huge part of that this whole subject. Um, yeah. For you, would you go with UFO or UAP?
5: You know, it's fine to change the names of things because... If you call it UAP, it doesn't have the baggage, maybe, that UFOs do. But we don't want to leave UFOs behind either. I mean, we've had 100 years of this weird and freaky phenomena (laughs) that we called UFOs. So if you want to call them UAPs, because that's, again, calling it like remote viewing, if it's more acceptable to the mainstream media and the government to refer to it that way, then that's obviously... OK, because they feel like, oh, it's uh, you know politically correct to talk about this topic now. So maybe that's what we need to bring it more into the mainstream.
1: The next one is someone who has a, a massive say in both To uh, The Stars Academy and uh, residence Viewing. It would be Hal Putov.
5: Yeah, I mean, Hal, the fascinating thing about Hal. We knew him as someone involved in remote viewing research. He was a laser physicist like Russell Targ. He got interested in the subject. He got Ingo to come out to California. Um, And we all knew him as this person who, you know, apart from studying other topics in physics, uh, kind of like exotic vacuum objects and ball lightning, the Casimir effect, these other interesting quantum. Phenomena. We knew him in an RV, but it was quite a shock when he told us in 2018 at the IRVA SSE conference that he had also been studying UFOs this whole time, too, for the government. So there's still probably a lot about how that we don't know, but he's certainly been a very important player to bring this out to the public and to kind of be this go-between, I guess, between the government and the rest of us to tell us what they've really been looking at.
1: The next one would be Antarctica as a place of interest.
5: Yeah, I, it's not something that I really know a huge amount about. Um, perhaps we'll uncover what's ever going on there. I just hear the same thing that the rest of you hear, so I don't really have any special information about Antarctica, apart from these ideas that you know we've been exposed to that perhaps there's more going on there than we know about
1: certainly. And the last one I'd like to finish off with all my guests is disclosure. What are your thoughts? What is disclosure?
5: Well, it's obviously it's the topic of the day and uh, it's coming at us. But again, the main thing I would reinforce is that it's our own inner disclosure that has to accompany the outer disclosure. That's my personal bent on all this. You can only go so far on the outside as you're willing to go on the inside because any new information paradigm change demands things of you too, right? It's not a free ride. It demands that you change and you step up to play a bigger role. So uh, you need to think about in terms of your own development to match the disclosure on the outside. I think the pace of disclosure – Will go as fast as we're comfortable with it, and those of us that are involved in this research uh, need to be constantly, you know, stepping up our game, and personally on a creative level, like your listener asked before, to be fully there, to be fully present, and to withhold judgment, but to be looking at new information to see this in the biggest possible way, rather than fitting it in to a pre-existing box so
2: like steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked to the forehead.
0: Meditated again, of state full on meta, I can't imagine how
4: it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs, and there he was. Mike, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz... I nearly kissed myself, and I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed, and there was something on my head, and everything was weird, and everything was red. I called up my boys. They thought this was noise. They thought it was a dream. They thought it was my toys. They thought it was my problems. And I think I should see therapy, And I don't know what it is because it doesn't really scare me. Consider time, consider your space, consider your lies. consider your life, consider your eyes.